to check one, two. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray. No, go ahead, play your thing. And I'm going to do it like this. Well, that's okay. Check one. Make sure the time is right. Hello? Make sure the time is right. Hello? Check one, two, one, two. Mike, check one, two. Step into the word. I, I have a word from the Lord for you on this morning. If you would grab your cell phones or cellular devices. If you're apostolic, thank you for being here. If you're holding on to that dreaded Android, lay it at the altar. Amen. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna pour oil on it and get it get it delivered. Y'all caught the apostolic? Yeah. Did you catch that? Amen. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to the Word. Let's go to work this morning. We're teaching this morning from the thought restored. Restored. If you would, grab your Bibles, your iPhone, your iDevices, Androids, and all of that. Grab Mark. Gospel Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 1. As well as the Gospel of Luke chapter number 24. As well as verse number 1. When you have it, stand to your feet if you would. It's not a Bible drill. If you're still looking for it, stand anyway. We always stand as a tradition in honor of the reading of God's word. Because, I mean, you give man honor. You step into the court of law. And the judge steps in. They say, oh, for the honorable judge, Keith Reshard, I'm just has entered into the chambers. Amen. So we stand in reverence, not of the person, but of the position of the office. We stand in reverence of the reading of God's word, because when we read the word of God, we're reading Jesus in text. John chapter number one, in the beginning was the. So when we read the word, we're reading Jesus. 
If you don't believe it, drop down to verse 14. And the word became. So every time you read the word, you're reading Jesus. That's why the word is living. That's why the word is alive. Because every time you read it, life springs forth. So we stand. We stand. If you haven't, say amen. If you're still looking, say hallelujah. I gave you all that time. And you're still looking. If you're waiting for me to put on the screen, say thank you, Jesus. That's two-thirds of y'all. Lazy folk. Let's go to our faith confession on this morning. Repeat after me today. I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. And my mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. That's where it gets personal. I believe what the word says about me. Catch it. I am redeemed. I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Talk to your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Turn to your other neighbor because the other neighbor jealous. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Do me a favor if you would. Point to the four walls of this church and say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shall I bless to be a blessing? My house is blessed. My children are blessed. My marriage is blessed. My church is blessed. Now shout, I'm blessed. Now say amen. Amen. Y'all sound lovely. Yes, y'all do. Luke chapter number 24, verse number 1, are recorded of these words. It says, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them. They didn't go alone. Oh, God. Can I tell you something? When you go to see Jesus, don't go alone. (laughs) Bring somebody with you. God bless you with that vehicle. You got that Suburban, it's just you riding big. Got room for everybody. You ain't bringing nobody. So, uh, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb to bring the spices which they had prepared. They had already prepared a gift for the Lord. They came bearing gifts in preparation. But yet we come into God's presence and we're unprepared. That's why you get wrecked in worship. It's because you're not prepared to receive the worship of the Lord. Oh, God. Walk out here with your lashes. Hanging off. Wig twisted. Just toe up. Brand new shoes just busted, man. Just bust your shoes because God wrecks because you were not prepared to enter his presence. There has to be a preparation that a believer must make prior to entering into his presence. You don't ever go to the king unprepared. You always have to come ready to be in his presence. So worship starts not in the sanctuary. Worship starts at your house. 
worship start in the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you not know that you are the temple? You got to be prepared. So they brought spices, which they had prepared. But they found that the stone was rolled from the tomb. And when they went in and did not find the body of the Lord. And it happened. As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men. Somebody shout two. If you're not too sanctimonious, write that in your Bible. Circle two. Two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? I'll hold my commentary. He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke? To you when he was still in Galilee, saying, watch the transition. Somebody shout two. It was two men standing there in shining garments. But all of a sudden, there's a transition that we miss in the text. Something happened. Somebody shout, something happened. So what happened, apostle? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. It was two men, and it was a transition, watch, to one. Because when you read the Bible, the red letter signifies that Jesus is speaking. So when we first saw the text, it was in white text. But as a transition, the two became one. So as he stood there, the two men became one. So was the natural now converting to the spiritual. So what they saw in the flesh, in the natural sense, now manifests in the spirit. And he says, the son of man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, and on the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. Father, now in Jesus' name, oh, that we would remember. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Some of y'all was ready to dig in in that prayer, boy. That's a good old Baptist folk, boy. They held on the back of that chair. It was like, woo, glory, glory. Come on, preacher, pray. Preacher. Hallelujah. And they remembered his words. Amen. I don't know if they fan or is the fire of the Holy Ghost. Can we drop the air? Amen. If we would. Hallelujah. And they remembered his words. We see in the gospel of Mark, chapter number 16, verse number one. But when he looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large. Now, there were a number of women that had gone along. But these women, no slight, no shade, no cap, was not strong enough to roll the stone away. But when they got there, as they reasoned with one another along the way, who's going to move the stone for us? But when they got there, the stone was already moved. There's some things you're inquiring and questioning of God that God has already done. 
oh God, there's some things you praying and crying out. God says it's already done. It's already finished. You just got to show up to the empty tomb. Yeah, quiet up in here. Some things you can't do all in your own natural strength that God supernaturally done it for you, but you got to show up. God has already manifested the blessing, but you got to show up to where it's manifested at. See, what happens with God, God does a thing and you have to walk into the thing. The blessings and the promises of God are yea and amen. He's already blessed you. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly and richly blessings. You got the blessing. Somebody shout, I got the blessing. You know why you got the blessing? Because you got the blesser. And the thing God wants to do in your life, he's already done. You just got to catch up to it. Your salvation was done before you even received your salvation. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. He had already made a preparation for you to be saved. But you had to walk into it and receive it. But they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So today I want to talk to you from the thought and the topic of being restored. Somebody shout, restore me. God wants you to be restored. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, it says, God made him who had no sin, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. I heard this statement that wrecked me so. This statement was that Christ didn't die for you. Wreck me up. Wait a minute. For all these years, we thought Christ died for us. Christ did not die for us. He died as us. <laughs> ha! He, he, he died as you, as your sinful self. As the text says, God made him who knew not sin to become sin. You were sin. And Jesus said, I'm going to step in and take your place. I'm not dying for you. I'm dying as you. I am your substitute. I'm dying for you. Not for you, but as you. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That in him we may become the righteousness of God. You are righteous in God. And righteousness has no bearing upon what you do, what you say, what you wear, how often you come to church, how much money you give, how long you serve, how much you read, how much you pray. Righteousness has nothing to do with none of those things. Your righteousness comes from this text. You receiving Christ, you receive righteousness. And there's nothing you can do to earn righteousness. I'm going to free somebody up today. Oh, I got to wear my hair a certain way. My dress has to be a certain length. I can't adorn makeup. Can't cut my beard. Can't cut my hair. That has nothing to do with righteousness. Righteousness is you become the righteousness of God. You become state of being, not state of doing. We become the righteousness of God. In other words, he imputes. He gives. 
It's a gift from God. Because Christ substituted himself for you, he died as you, there was an exchange that took place. You exchanged your unrighteousness for his righteousness. Somebody shout shift. It was a shift that took place. It was a, nat- a supernatural shift. While they're hanging you up on the cross, it was a shift. And Jesus popped up, and they're like, There's a shift that took place. Because it was supposed to be us on the cross. But Jesus took our place. There was a penalty to pay that you and I were supposed to pay but couldn't really afford to pay. But God in his mercy and his grace and his richness, he said, I'm going to pay it for you. So I'm going to send the best gift that I possibly have, my son wrapped in flesh. To be adorned upon a cross, to be crucified, to be tortured, to be pierced, to dawn a crown of thorns upon his brow, to be nailed to a cross, and to have a spear in his side. I'm going to have a shift because where you were supposed to be, I'm going to put my son so you can have this righteousness. Christ didn't die for you. He died as you. But hear this. He resurrected for you. That he did for you. He came out of the tomb for you. That's why he got up on the third day. Because he wanted you to see the risen savior. He came up out of the tomb. So you can see that he was who he said he was. Now listen. When they arrived at the tomb. They peeked into the tomb. And they saw Jesus linen clothes. Folded nicely and needed inside of the tomb. And they peeked in. Can I tell you something? God don't want you to take a peek. He wants you to come on in. And so many in the church, we peek into the church. Them folk crazy. And what's that tongue stuff they saying in there? You know y'all be doing that. When worship going on, you sitting there. Now you know it don't take all that. You peeking into the church instead of being the church. He don't want you to stand at the end or at the mouth of the tomb. He wants you to go all the way in. Because watch, it's at the tomb. Watch, or yea, shall I say, it's at the womb something should birth. See, it, they thought they were putting Jesus' body in a tomb, but really it was a womb. God. And anything that comes out of a womb is something to be birthed. And Jesus put in a tomb, he birthed out of the tomb and came back, watch this, stronger and better. Because he didn't have this old wretched flesh wrapping around him. That's why when they peeked in, they saw his clothes wrapped nicely and neatly. In Jewish culture, whenever you were dining with a family or a friend and you decided to get up from the table, they would fold their napkins nicely and neatly and place it in front of their plates signifying I'm not finished, but I'll be back. Oh, I got some scholars in here that really like this. So they fold it nice and neat because they don't want you to take their plate. Because when they come back, you know what I mean? You ever ate some place where the food was good and you went to the bathroom and you weren't finished yet, but you went to the bathroom and came back, your plate was gone? Like, 
they do that at? <laughs> Jesus folded his linens, not like a madman dashing out of a tomb saying, I'm free now. The stone has been rolled away. Not like a madman just ripped off his garments and threw him to the ground because he was free from a prison block sale. He took his time. Folded. Why? Because it was written on the third day. He would rise again. He wasn't no rush. Because it was written. Somebody shout, it was written. Somebody shout, it had to happen. Somebody shout, it was going to happen. It had to happen. So he folded nicely and neatly, signifying, I'll be back. Picked in and said, And they're having this conversation with two men, and all of a sudden, two men become one man, which is Jesus. And one version of the text, translation, it says that Jesus appeared like a gardener. They thought they were talking to the gardener. Oh, we're getting deep right now, his revelation. Jesus said, my father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. So the father shows up in the garden as a vine dresser to dress some things up. Let me digress for a second because Jesus laid his clothes in the tomb. And what that tells me is if Jesus laid his clothes in the tomb, he must have came out the tomb naked. Can I help the church out? God's trying to get us restored back to transparency and nakedness. I said it earlier. I said again, you thought the pandemic put a mask on your face. You've been wearing a mask before the pandemic. Y'all don't like me. Your flesh became a mask. You tried to hide some stuff, put your best foot forward, only show people the good side of you. But there's a nasty, ratchet, messed up side of you that if the world only knew, if they could really peek into your tomb and see what kind of mess is going on behind closed, y'all cry. But you get in the church, praise the Lord, saints. Glory to God. Get in the parking lot. Is a totally different story. In McDonald's drive line, drive through, it's a different story. You know, especially when they forget your fries. <laughs> you got that nasty cashier behind the counter. Well, you, that's what you said you wanted. Look at I just grabbed your. <laughs> you know, it's another side of you that the world don't see. It's another side of you behind the flesh, behind the closed doors, in the private place, when your phone is lit up in the dark and you're perusing websites that you shouldn't be. Flipping through magazines, getting stuck on that one with the glistening body showing just about everything, not everything, but showing some things. And you justified in your mind saying, well, at least they ain't naked. But you already have formulated in your mind the images and what you can, ooh, ah, oh. And God is trying to get us back to a place of transparency where we're naked and unashamed, as Romans says, and and as Genesis says, they were in the garden, naked and unashamed. 
And Jesus shows up as a gardener. Why? Because he's trying to restore what was lost in the garden. He's trying to bring it back. What was in the garden? It was nakedness, transparency. They were able to stand before God and expose everything about them and had no concerns because God could see everything. Somebody shout restoration. restoration. So he resurrected for this point so that you can be restored back to the posture of your heart, which is transparency and nakedness. Comes as a gardener. To prune some things. The vine dresser. So that you can bear fruit. And much fruit. See sometimes God has to cut some things away from your life. Not to hurt you. Not to take away from you. But to get some things to you. Because the text says that when he prunes. He takes away. When there's good fruit. He prunes the vine. So that there can be much more fruit. So there's some things in your life you're trying to hold on to. And God says, if you would let that go, I'll put in your life even much, much more. But if you keep holding on to this, that's what you're going to get. So I tell you this, if you want to get with this, you can get with this. But if you want to get with that, then get with that. But you better get with this because this is where it's at. So let it go right now so I can go ahead and bless you the way I want to bless you and stop holding on to the old stuff. How do I know? Because when Mary was at the tomb, she wanted to hold on to Jesus. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me. I haven't said it yet. There's something better coming. No, you can't hold on to me. Something far greater than me is coming. So let go. Somebody shout, let go. Watch this. She wanted to hold on to the natural thing and didn't realize she was about to embrace a supernatural thing. She wanted to hold on to the flesh of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I want to hold. She said it earlier in her monologue. I would just hold you. I just wanted to hold him and hold him. Jesus said, don't hold on to this because this is flesh. Don't grab on to this because it's a mess. Let that go so you can embrace something greater. Don't hold on to this because if you hold on to this, it's going to contain. Watch this. All of your filth and your shame. Let it go. Somebody shout, let it go. So John chapter 20, it says, so Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, but both were running. They were running. But the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. Isn't that something? Y'all remember Peter? The cusser, seller, the ear cutter? Don't judge him because such were some of you at one point. Or should I say some of you still are? Every now and then, yeah, I cuts me, yeah, I cuts me one every now and then. But what I love about resurrection is when Jesus came out and he told Mary, tell my disciples and where my Peter's at in the house. I knew you was a Peter. I, I knew it. I felt, I felt a Peter anointing on you over there. Good cussing, saint. Just cut you. 
cussing, cutting saint. Amen. But don't forget about Peter. Don't forget about the ones who made some mistakes, who messed up, who jacked up some things. Bring Peter too. Don't forget about him because my blood was shed for people just like Peter and for people just like you. Bring him too because I can still use Peter. Somebody shout, he can still use me. Oh yeah, he can still use you with your nasty self. He still can use you with your cussing self. He can still use you. But you got to make it to the tomb. Because it's in the tomb that you will enter one way and out of the tomb you'll be birthed another way. It's you going into the tomb, coming in with your nasty self, but coming out the tomb. He that is in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become... That's why Nicodemus had a problem with this because Jesus said you got to be born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man my size climb back up into his mother's womb and be born again? He said, no, no, you're missing Nicodemus. You're thinking natural. You need to think supernatural. You're thinking flesh. You need to think spirit. That can't happen. Yes, it can. Jesus said at the tomb, look, Peter walked into the tomb. This Peter was a doubter. Y'all talk about doubting Thomas? Peter went back fishing. Y'all give poor Thomas a bad rap, Doc. They give Thomas a bad rap. But what about Peter? Not only was Peter a doubter, but also an instigator. Peter said, I go fishing. And the disciples came with him. He brought people into his doubt. He wasn't by himself in his doubt. He said, y'all, boy, that's the worst type of person that you could be around. You know, you could be around a doubter, but don't let the doubter be the one who casts doubt in you. Peter was, but Jesus said, and Peter too. And Simon Peter came alongside him and went straight into the tomb. While everybody else is standing on the outside, doubting, cussing, cutting, Peter goes inside. That's why you got to be careful with judging people because they may just run past you and go right in. <laughs> Woo! I'm trying to get you there. You got to be careful with him. Look at He just got off the block yesterday with his drunk self. Look at him. Be careful. Because what you perceive to be drunk may be drunk on new wine in the Holy Ghost. That probably was him yesterday, but today. That probably was my testimony a couple weeks ago, but now I've been redeemed, washed in the blood, purged, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. That used to be me, but it's no longer me. Got to be careful. Peter ran right on in, and he saw straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen laying there, and I'm coming to a close, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, somebody shout finally. Finally, finally the church is going to catch up. Finally, we're going to catch up. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. And he saw and believed. First, God is restoring our posture of transparency. Why? So what you hide can be healed. Because what you hide can't be healed. So God wants you to be transparent and naked so he can heal some broken areas in your life. The second restoration is position. 
God wants to restore your position. Put you back in the place of which he created you for. Want to restore your position. That was lost in the garden. In the garden of Eden. Adam's position. He removed himself out of position. Why? Because he refused to obey the commands of the law. He got out of position. That's why when God came to Adam in the garden of Eden. He said, Adam. Where? Y'all left me hanging. Adam, where? In other words, you're not in the place I intended you to be. Not that I don't know where you are. Because <laughs> I'm omniscient. I'm omnipresent. I'm here, there, and everywhere. I'm all-knowing. I know where your location is, but I'm not asking about your geographical location. Where are you? You are out of You out of position, Adam. So Jesus comes in the garden to restore us in our proper position. Because when you're in the place where God wants you to be, it is at that place God commands a blessing. Is at that place is the commanded blessing. But you got to be in position to receive it. So your posture, nakedness, and transparency, your position, he comes to restore at the tomb. And lastly, he comes to restore your power. Play softly, sir. He comes to restore your power. That's why Jesus at the tomb, Mary wants to embrace him, wants to wrap her arms around him and said, but wait, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. I got to go be with the father because I have to go so another would come. It's called the comforter, the advocate, the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, I got to go so another would come. Can I bless you with something this morning? Watch. There's only two times that I have noticed in text that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost converge together at one place in the earth realm at one time. In the beginning, God spoke, God. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, the Spirit. God spoke, God. He spoke, Word. He said, let that be. Word is Jesus. Three times, or shall I say one time, that the three are present in the earth realm. First time. Second time is when Jesus is being water baptized by John the Baptist. John said he looked up and the heavens opened up and there was the spirit coming down like into the dove upon him. And the heavens opened up and the father said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. The second time, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit in the earth realm converged together in one place. Two times. There will come a third time in Revelations. When the new Jerusalem sits upon earth and God sets up his kingdom on earth, then you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What am I saying to you this morning? Jesus could not be in the earth realm at this point with the Holy Spirit at the same time. Because if the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost show up together at the same time, then the end had come. 
and his kingdom shall rule and reign for eternity. So Jesus said, I have to go. I got to go. Because if I stay here and the Holy Ghost is here while I'm here, then the end is here. And we ain't ready yet. Tell your neighbor, we ain't ready yet. Be bold enough to ask your neighbor, are you ready? Because he's given us by his grace and his mercy, given us an opportunity to be ready for when the kingdom comes, that we can enter in, that we can hear, well done, thy good, faithful servant, enter into thy rest. So Jesus, I can't go, not yet. I got to leave so the Holy Ghost can come. So Jesus is in the tomb. And I close with this thought. He resurrects out of the tomb. I believe, just in my craziness, because some of you have already formulated opinion about me that he crazy, y'all. I believe that Jesus is sitting in the tomb after he resurrected. And he says, Father, there's something else I was supposed to do before I leave. There's one other thing. I have to fulfill the promise of which you promised them. What was the promise? That they would receive the Holy Ghost. That was the promise the Father made to all of you here today. That you would receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in the tomb, I can't leave yet. Father, just give me, give me a little bit so I can make sure that your promise is made manifest. I can ascend now, but I'll just wait. I got to do something else. So for 40 days, Jesus rose the earth for 40 days. For 40 days, he's going from town to town. The theologian, the philosopher, Josephus, said that there was over 500 eyewitness accounts of them seeing Jesus in his glorified body. Over 500 people saw him. And then on the 50th day, 50, Pente, cause, the promise is made manifest. Why do I close with that? Because God wants to restore the power. He wants to make sure you got the Holy Ghost. Now I know some of you are formulating your mind based upon your religion or your doctrine. We already got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Because you're basing upon speaking in tongues and the evidence of speaking in tongues. You have been sealed by the Holy Ghost. But there's a power that comes upon you when the Holy Spirit comes. Woo. Some of y'all felt it this morning through worship. That was the power of the Holy Spirit breaking some things off of your life. And on that 50th day, the Holy Spirit filled the room and everybody, somebody shout everybody. everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's including you. Everybody received the Holy Ghost. Everybody. Now what bothers me about this historical account is that Jesus showed himself to 500, but only 120 showed up. troubles me about the church is Jesus makes a promise to everybody but everybody don't show up 
Jesus makes this promise to you today, but everybody won't receive it today. This is the resurrection, the account that takes place. He comes to restore your posture of transparency and nakedness to say that, yes, I've been in the church all my life. I've been in the church 20 years. I've served. I preach. I teach. I did Bible school lessons. I did curriculums. I did all of this stuff. But I hadn't received the promise. Get you back to nakedness. To where you can see even with your sanctimonious self-righteous self. So save self. That you still need the power. Back to transparency so you'll get real today. That you will have an introspective look at your life. And begin to filter through your life all of the stuff that needs to go and be taken away. And you will lay it at the altar. And then he wants to restore in this Resurrection Sunday your position. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High. wants to put you back in place where you rightfully belong. So that you can now operate in the power. Because when Jesus came, he gave authority. But you can't use the power without the authority. So he wants to give you this power because he's already given you authority. It's resurrection time. Or shall I say better? It's restoration time. Everything the enemy stole from you, everything that was taken, Jesus at the cross, plundered hell, death and the grave, and snatched it back. Why? Not to hold it for himself, but to give it back to who it belongs to. He took the keys so he could give the keys back to you. He plundered hell and everything in hell that the devil has taken from you, stolen from you, withheld from you, refrained from you. Jesus went and snatched it up and said, here it is, back to who it belongs to. It's restoration time. Everything the canker worm and the palmer worm have eaten away. It's restoration time. Would you bow your heads with me? You're here today. And you're standing at the mouth of the tomb. God is calling you all the way in today. For those of you, I make this appeal in the pardon of your sins. You have not yet accepted Christ. To know him and to behold him as your Lord and Savior. I appeal to you today. Today is the day the Father is here waiting on you. Or maybe you're backslidden. You're Peter running back fishing, back to your old complacent, complicit life back into your old nature doing the things that God had taken from you long time ago but you have taken it back up again he delivered you from that drinking but the cares of life got you sipping and tipping yet again brought you out of adultery and out of fornication but marital situations got you back at it again backslidden he's at the tomb waiting for you to come in if that's you it's a judgment free zone because it's restoration time it's not about us don't put your eyes on us or your neighbor they don't have a heaven nor a hell to give you and you have nothing to lose but everything to gain in him because if you hold on to your life, bless you, woman of God, if you hold on to your life, you will lose your life. 
But he that gives and submits life will gain eternity. This is your eternity turning moment. Take hold of it now. If you're here today, if that's you, you can stand to your feet if that's you. You can meet us at this altar if you feel comfortable enough. I only ask that you adorn your mask if you come for one or the other. Backslidden, hadn't accepted Christ in the part of your sins. If that's you, would you come? Or just lift your hand and wave it at me if you're in your seat. Either way, this is your moment. This is your moment. Do it now. Thank you, Father. We bless you. Saints, be praying. Don't forget your assignment. Don't forget your assignment. Be praying for your neighbor. Be praying for the one who came with you. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, if you go, I'll go with you if you want. Come on, ask your neighbor. If you need to go, I'll go with you. They won't know if it's you. They won't know if it's me. We'll go together. Come on, turn. Be an evangelist. Do the work. As Timothy says, do the work of evangelists. Come on, turn to them and say, do you need to go? I'll go with you. And if they say yes, grab that hand and walk them to this altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God, we bless you. God, we thank you. God, we give you praise. Can the rest of you please stand if you would? I'll make one more appeal to... Oh, they're still coming. While they're praying with those who have come, I make one more appeal to you. If you're here and you don't have a church home and you felt the Spirit of the Lord drawing you to connect with this place, listen. The Bible says that that we have many members, but there's one body. But if you're a member that is dismembered, you're no good to nobody. So that means you have to be connected to a body. Because if you're not connected to a body, then you're no good to nobody, including yourself. So if you're here and you don't have a church home in transition from one church to the next, that's you today. Connect with us. Lift your hand in the air. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Come on, clap your hands and celebrate. Amen. Any others today? Any others today? Praise the Lord. Any of you just lift your hand and wave it at me. Connecting. Reconnecting. Amen. If that's, amen. Come on, clap your hands for Amen. Any others today? Any others today? Just wave at me or meet us at the altar. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Come on, y'all. Celebrate. Come on, give God some glory. Look what the Lord is doing. Come on, you ought to celebrate what the Lord is doing. For those of you online today, just put it in the box below. Amen. Hashtag, it's me, it's me. If you're joining, save me, I'm sorry. If you're giving your life to Christ, hashtag, save me in the box below. If you want to join, just hashtag, join me. Or joining, shall I say, in the box below. Or you can call 225, text 225-361-2016. Text the word join to that number. Amen. Or just send us a prayer request at prayer at elevatechurchbr.com. All hands lifted in this place. Speak a blessing over your life. And then I want to serve you communion before we get out of here. Father, now we thank you, Lord God, for your mercy and your grace.
We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for the work that you have performed and done in the lives of these that have come. And even those who are connecting with us today, Father, we thank you for the covenant partnership that we're entering into today. And Father, as we, Lord God, walk this journey of faith and life together, I pray, oh God, that you will multiply richly, Lord God, and in abundance, Father, in the lives of those who are connecting. God, we give you glory. God, we give you praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name. We do pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would. Amen. As we make preparation to serve you the Lord's Supper. Amen. We make preparation on this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what I'm going to ask you to do as you come around to receive your communion elements, make sure we stay socially distant from one another. Make sure you have your mask on, if you would, as you're coming along. We want to make sure we stay in compliance with the CDC regulations and all of these things. And, you know, you may say, well, we're in the house of the Lord. We're covered in the blood. Praise the Lord. I don't want to have to apply the blood of no need. Amen. Why would we frustrate the... Hallelujah. God, we bless you. Amen. Got me doing all that work for nothing. <laughs> Praise God. If you would go to the Lord in your private prayer closet, asking Him to forgive you of sins, knowingly and unknowingly, if you would. Amen. For I receive of the Lord that which I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
may partake of that bread. In the same manner, in the same way after he supped, he took the cup saying, this is the cup in New Testament, the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink of that cup. And as you hold your cup, for whoever, or for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, boy, that's some good juice. Good Lord. Had me salivating. I'm sorry, y'all. But whenever you eat this bread, drink in this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself, therefore, themselves, before they eat this bread and drink of this cup. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you would pass that cup to the center aisle to your left and to the right on this side. Someone is going through with a trash can. Amen. Pass it down to the center. You will see here. Can we say, uh, Mike, can you grab that other canister from Erica and get one on this side if you would? Uh, Mike, on this side. Mike, just go through. Just go through. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord, everyone. Hey, listen, for our first time, second time, even third time, guys, thank you so much for coming out and worshiping with us today. Amen. This is the inaugural uh, day of our two services, 9-15, 11-15. We'd love to see you back next week uh, in both of our opportunities of worship at 9.15 or 11.15. Make one of both. Praise the Lord. Amen. Get a double portion, a double dose. If you're here for the first, second, or even third time, I would love to shake your hand. For those who have connected with us today uh, through the, the point of salvation, we celebrate you today. Come on, clap the hands for those who have given their life to Christ. And for those who have connected with us in partnership here at Elevate Church, we celebrate you as well. This is how we seal the deal here at Elevate Church. Elevate! 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 God bless you. God keep this my prayer. I would love to meet you and greet you in the foyer as we close out in prayer. Amen. Don't leave without shaking my hand. She's going to close us out in worship. Amen. Can we get a mic unmuted if y'all don't mind? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Media ducked out on me. Amen. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord.
thank you, you know I try, and I swear, yeah. Nice, <laughs> 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 love you. <laughs>